welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Designing a Game-Changing User Experience, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to help resolve some of the world's biggest challenges and to create real business impact. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so excited and privileged to be launching a brand new series today. It's long overdue that we cover this topic. And welcome to Designing a Game-Changing User Experience Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have an interesting quote here from a gentleman named Billy Gregory, who is a senior accessibility engineer. Found his quote online, and this will set us up beautifully. The buzz. When UX doesn't consider all users, and all is in all caps, shouldn't it be known as some user experience or S-U-X, question mark, unquote, and I'll let you all pronounce that for yourselves. So the impact of design and user experience, which we may alternately refer to as UX today, on business success, it is profound. It's not just a nice to have, it's a big deal. Game-changing user experiences are the number one way today, that's right, the number one way to ensure customers are satisfied and to keep them loyal. You know your business is in a competitive marketplace, no matter what you're selling, product, service, No matter where you're based, it's all global, it's all dynamic, it's changing. So let's talk about this a little more. The World Health Organization estimates that 1 billion people, that's 1 in 7, that's right, 1 in 7, live with a disability. According to the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, Access to information technology, get this, is a basic human right. I'll say that again. Access to information technology is a basic human right. So, whose responsibility is it to get rid of the barriers in workplace software to people who have any range of disabilities? Well, it comes down to enterprise software vendors, the designers, the people who put it all together. How can they make their software inclusive? How can they make it available to a diverse array of users who have different different capabilities, different abilities, different ways of communicating and learning and using software? Well, we are seeing great advances in natural language processing and artificial intelligence, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So welcome again to our brand new series. I'm very proud to be hosting this today. Let me tell you who my three panelists are, and then we'll get started. First up, we'll be hearing from the lady who is the sponsor of the series. She's been on many of our Game Changers shows over the past few years. It's Maricel Kabahag, Chief Design Officer of SAP. Always happy to have her on a show. Joining her are two newcomers. We have Neil Milliken, the Global Head of Accessibility at Atos, A-T-O-S. He'll talk about his role in his company. And rounding out the panel, another newcomer, Deborah M. Rue. She spells her last name R-U-H. And I'm telling you that because she's the CEO of Rue Global Communications. So, Welcome to our panel. Let's start off with the quote that Maricel has sent us. It's a beautiful quote from Daniel Pink, who's the author of six books about work, business, and behavioral science, and four of his six books are New York Times bestsellers. He was the host and co-executive producer of the 2014 National Geographic Channel social science TV series, Crowd Control. And in case you're in the political world, he was Vice President Al Gore's chief speechwriter from 1995 to 97. Here's the quote from Daniel Pink. Quote, empathy is about standing in someone else's shoes, feeling with his or her heart, seeing with his or her eyes. Not only is empathy hard to outsource and automate, but it makes the world a better place. Maricel, welcome to your series. How are you today? I'm doing great, and thank you for having me. Wouldn't have it any other way. I wanted you to go first because I want you to tell us, before you talk about the beautiful Daniel H. Pink quote, tell me a little bit about why this series is important to you as the Chief Design Officer at SAP. Maricel? Um, well, UX is, is at the crux of, of um, how products can be successful, especially cloud products, and we know um, that no matter how great um, our products are technology-wise, 
no one can use it or no one wants to use it, then we cannot claim success. Uh, what what I really like about um, about our topic today is, is not just about um, the UX or delivering a great user experience, but you know it's about our responsibility um, to, to make sure that that experience can be enjoyed and that our tools can be used um, by by everybody. And that's why accessibility is very close to my heart. Um, I really like the quote by mm-hmm. by Daniel uh, Pink because. Empathy is at the heart of user experience. Um, for me, empathy means understanding another person's point of view, feeling how they might feel in a certain situation. Um, it's different from just plain understanding what someone might be going through and also different from sympathy because the hallmark of empathy is that it, is a vis- it has a visible quality. The feeling and seeing from someone else's point of view can sometimes be very hard and um, especially when that person is very different or foreign to us and has a very different life experience. But when we capture this feeling through empathy, we need to make it show in our work, say in developing applications. We need, we need to use empathy to create work that fits people's lives. Um, and um, like you said um, earlier, it, it's got something to do with, with the right um, to be able to use and have access to information technology to make our work meaningful and so that we can participate in society. Thank you, Marcel. Very good introduction to our show. Are you surprised that the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disability actually made such a strong statement? Information technology is a basic human right. Do you, do you think that was a long time in, in the development of that kind of a strong statement, Marcel? I think it's um, I think it's it's a long time coming, right? So information technology is part of our our daily lives now, and and all of our tools, everything that we use, um, has a digi- digital component to it. I mean, the things that we use in our daily lives and at work, um, these are all um, based on technology, and and they have a software component to it. And everything um, now um, with AI and all of the new technologies that, that are coming, um, if if you are left behind, if you don't, if you cannot access or interface with this with these intelligent machines, then um, you cannot uh, progress or actively, um, you know, contribute uh, to society and have a meaningful um, work environment or work life um, balance even. Thank you very much. Great opening to our show, Maricel. And I have to do a shout-out to your colleague, Esther Blankenship, who has worked so hard to put this together with me and get this show off the ground. So great appreciation to Esther. I know she's listening. Now let's move around the table to Neil Milliken, Global Head of Accessibility at Atos. Am I pronouncing that right, Neil? Is it Atos or Atos? Please remind me. I don't think there's a right or wrong way. <laughs> you um, are very so. So I say Atos. My uh, my my American colleagues say Atos. So I don't think it matters. You are very We're gracious. Thinking. Thank you. Thank you very much. I have a wonderful quote Neil has selected from Jim Tobias. Some people might call him Tobias, but I call him Tobias. You you know the old old phrase, Neil. Uh, what was it? There was a song: Tomato, tomato, uh, potato, potato. Uh, let's call the whole thing off. Let's I think call it was. The whole thing off, yeah. Yes, let's call the whole thing off. I always promise not to sing, but once in a while it just happens. I apologize. Uh, the quote is from Jim Tobias, and he says, "Well, let me give a little background here. He has more than thirty-five years of experience." in accessible and usable technologies. His work focuses on how technologies are designed and used for seniors and people with disabilities in employment, education, and civic participation. He heads a company called Inclusive Technologies, how appropriate, a tech analysis consulting firm specializing in accessible information and communication technologies and more. So here's the quote. It's five little words. They pack a punch. Everybody listen up from Jim Tobias. Inaccessibility is kind of like pollution. <laughs> Neil, that's, that's pretty powerful. Neil, welcome officially from Atos or Atos, and tell us how you picked this quote for our show today, please. Uh, I picked this quote because I heard Jim speak it, and uh, ah. I was inspired by it. And I've done some work with Jim on the back of it as well. So uh, the, the premise is that I think that all companies, no one really wants to exclude people. They don't deliberately design people out of the user experiences. But so what, what essentially Jim was trying to get at here is that uh, when we do make products and services and we exclude people, this is a byproduct of the, the design process. 
And unfortunately, it's what, what we call an externality. So um, inaccessibility, like pollution, when we made products and services before, you had a negative externality of um, carbon emissions into the atmosphere, of um, litter on the beaches, of mm -hmm. plastic in the oceans. These are pollutions. These are byproducts of the production process. And inaccessibility is a negative externality of the production process. So we need to find ways as producers of products and services to design them in such a way that we reduce these externalities because essentially when we are excluding people from using products and services, we are stopping them from participating in society and therefore it's them that pick up the costs of, of being excluded or society does, governments do, through having to pay for grants and support when they could be doing this independently and just using our products. So for me, this is a, a huge thing. Uh, we need to be linking the idea of accessibility and sustainability together. Thank you. A very interesting way you put those two together. And uh, interestingly enough, later today, Neil, I have another series called Game Changing Megatrends, and we're going to be talking about sustainability in terms of the circular economy. So this is very interesting. If we took the, I'm making this up right now, but if we took the concept of circular, meaning going around a circle and including everyone in that circle, then I'm, I'm just doing a stretch here, but that would be interesting to include accessibility in that circular reasoning of everybody. Everybody should be part of that. Uh, I, I guess we'll I'm waxing a little bit. Do you like it? This is a stretch. I'm thinking of Kumbaya. Oh, Everybody's no, no, sitting. No, no. I, I'm saying we, we are actively making that stretch. So oh, okay. Organization. <laughs> we're, we're, we're actually looking to, in our uh, sustainability reporting, also report on accessibility and inaccessibility. We, we actually believe the two are connected. Well, I'm glad about that. Thank you very much. I like that circle concept. I'll have to remember that. Thank you, Neil. Pleasure to have you on the show. Looking forward to a lot more with you, from you, and we'll be learning what you do in a few minutes. And now I'm going to move one more seat around the table to Deborah M. Rue, the CEO of Rue Global Communications. Again, her last name is R-U-H. And Deborah has given us a quote from Helen Keller. We get these types of quotes once in a while. Helen Keller and, and very profound. Helen Keller, anybody doesn't no, Helen Adams Keller lived from 1880 to 1968. She was an American author, political activist, and lecturer. But here's the catch. She was the first deaf-blind person, that's right, deaf and blind, to earn a bachelor's degree. And there's a very famous story. Her autobiography, The Story of My Life, uh, was turned into a stage show, for a film and stage show, called The Miracle Worker, about Helen Keller and her teacher, Anne Sullivan. Very, very compelling. And I don't know if anybody knows, but her birthplace, West Tuscumbia, Alabama, has a museum, and they have an annual Helen Keller Day to commemorate her birthday on June 27th, and it's also commemorated in Pennsylvania, and President Jimmy Carter made a proclamation about her birthday. So there, here's the quote. The only worse thing than being blind is having sight, but no vision. Deborah, I'm going to cry. Welcome, Deborah Rue. How are you? I am fine. Thank you so much, and thank you to Marcel and SAP for showing leadership on this topic. We really do appreciate it. Well, we appreciate your appreciation. Now, tell me, how did you find this gem of a quote among the many quotable moments in Helen Keller's lore? Go ahead, Deborah. Well, I, um, I believe that it, it, we all have human potential. And I also believe that as we live our lives, many of us, and this is not saying it in a threatened way, but the reality is as we grow and change and age, um, our abilities do as well. And there's now 1.23 billion people that are over the age of 55. And as we age and get over the age of 55, and I'm one of those people, um, mm -hmm. the reality is we don't see as well, we don't hear as well, we don't move as well, maybe we don't think as well in certain circumstances. So I think it's so important that we realize being human means that sometimes we have abilities and sometimes we have disabilities. And so the efforts that organizations like SAP and ATOS are making to make sure that Everyone is included in this digital age. I just think it's really critical. So I wanted to bring in Helen's quote 
because mm-hmm. uh, in the first place, how can we not admire this wonderful woman that people just, they didn't even think that she was there, if you yes. see the powerful story about her life. So I just thought that it was a real beautiful thing that was relevant to the conversation today. Absolutely, I agree. And and as I said, it's always interesting and fascinating to get quotes from, from Helen Keller. She wrote so much. She was certainly, uh, well, let me just give a little more background. She was a prolific author. She was well-traveled. She was outspoken in her convictions. I'm not going to mention what her political party was, but she was inducted into the Alabama Women's Hall of Fame in 1971 and one of 12 inaugural inductees to the Alabama Writers Hall of Fame on June 8th, 2015, posthumously, obviously. So talk about somebody who overcame barriers, who overcame challenges, difficulties, the will to succeed, the will to be part of something, right, Deborah? Her will to participate and be counted. And that has to count a lot. Thank you very much, Deborah. Pleasure to have you on and thank you for your thanks for this series. Uh, I, I was so pleased when Marcel and Esther contacted me a few months ago and said, let's do a show about the user experience and very, very important. So let's go around the table. Marcel, we are summoning you again and this is the part of the show where we get to know our panelists a little bit better. So Marcel Kahabug, Chief Design Officer of SAP, I have three questions for you. Number one is, where in the world are you today? I know there's a story about that because I know we called you. Number two, uh, we usually call it what's in your cup today, but what's your favorite drink that powers you, Maricel, to do what you do, the important work you do, to be as, as energetic as you are about your work and your contributions? And number three, tell us what your role is today and what's up with you as the Chief Design Officer. Maricel, it's all yours. Great. Um, I'm in a city or a town called called Karlsruhe. Sorry, I could I could not pronounce it perfectly, but that's in Germany. And I'm in a hotel room, um, having um, an offsite with my leadership team. Um, so the design um, leads of SAP, the central design leads of SAP. Um, and because I've been traveling so much lately, I have two big bottles of water right next to me. I need to hydrate. Um, my role at SAP, I love it very much because um, it's not just delivering um, or defining the user experience across our products together with the design leads of all our lines of businesses, but more importantly, uh, to make sure that uh, for all of our products, especially those that are being used by um, a lot of people or or all of the people in in the company, like success factors, like Concur, for example, um, and that those are accessible at those and, and that we leverage technology to offer um, multiple um, or uh, various kinds of interactions so that people have uh, choices and um, use the appropriate one um, for them. Thank you very much, Marcel. Always a pleasure. And I know you're going to tell Esther, as I already did on air, how much we appreciate her working on this with me. She's done a spectacular job of putting yes, together this absolutely. series. She, she's a gem. She's a wonderful person. And now let's go around mm-hmm. to Neil Milliken at Atos or Atos, tomato, tomato. We will find out. Neil, where are you today? I know we called you somewhere. And what's your favorite drink that powers you? And what do you do at Atos? Neil. Okay. So I'm, I'm sat on the south coast of the United Kingdom. I'm equidistant between France and London. Um, and... What powers me? Well, if it's in the morning, it's strong coffee. If it's after lunch, it's water. Um, so uh, we're in the afternoon, so I've sat here with a glass of water, rehydrating um, and concentrating on getting the message out there about the accessibility. So my, my role is to, to lead the accessibility practice within ACOS in general um, to build practices throughout our our various different businesses and also to be the spokesperson around accessibility, digital inclusion, and work closely with our chief diversity officer to uh, really embed accessibility into to what we're doing, both internally and throughout all of our product delivery. And I'm passionate about that because I've been working in the field for 20-odd years now. Oh, my goodness. I have to know, Neil, you said coffee. What kind of coffee? You must have a favorite, a favorite brand, a favorite strength, flavor, uh, origin. Well, Give me a little more. Yeah. So I have a little espresso machine and I make any espresso in the mornings, 
good, strong, six-pot espresso goes into a mug, and that really gives me the rocket fuel I need for the day. There you go. I was waiting for somebody to say rocket fuel. One of these days, I don't... You know there's something called bulletproof coffee? Have you ever heard of that, Neil? Yes. Yes. There's also something called hot lava java, and and that's (laughs) lethal. (laughs) <laughs> I, I produce and host my own television show I have for many years and I recently discovered a barbershop quartet here in the Durham, North Carolina area called the Ringtones and they came on my show last week, came to my home studio and they recorded one of their favorite songs in mine, it's called I Love Coffee, I Love Tea, I Love the Java Java and It Loves Me, have you ever heard that one? No Go go take a listen to it. Find it online. I love coffee. I love tea. I think the Manhattan Transfer did it uh, on recorded it many many years ago. It's really upbeat and it's all about coffee. I think it's called Java Jive. It might, that might be the name of it. But the lyric is I love coffee. I love tea. I love the Java and the Java loves me. So I I think that'd be perfect for you. We can sing that next time you come on the show. Neil, thank you. It's so so nice to get to know you, Deborah M. Rue. We'd love to know where are you today. What's your favorite drink, Deborah? And tell us, what is Rue Global Communications? Well, I am joining um, from Virginia. So I'm uh, pretty close to you, North Carolina, and it's a beautiful sunny day, which is nice because it's been raining so much here in Virginia. So, oh, yeah. Um, and my favorite drink is I do a green drink with all of a bunch of different um, chia seeds and hemp seeds and all those different things, trying to get all of my superfoods in all at once and add a lot of chocolate and peanut butter to it. I love bullet coffee, but I just get real jittery with coffee, unfortunately, but I love it. So, I'm with um, you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The peanut butter and, and the chocolate, what kind of chocolate do you add to the drink? Liquid powder? What do you do? Organic yeah, I do the powder and I do PBJ2, a PB2, which is powdered peanut butter. And um, I just add ghee and coconut oil and all kinds of superfoods to it. And it gives me so much energy and I actually lost a lot of weight doing it. So I feel better. I get a ton of nutrition all at once. And, um, and then I can eat whatever I want during the day, which I love. I uh, want so. you to send me the recipe, please. Will you email me the recipe? I, I, <laughs> yes, seriously. it's yummy. It's really yummy, too, and good for me. So, <laughs> Thank you. It's um, going to be yummy and, and good for me, too. What do you do? What is, what is Rue Global yeah. Communications? Well, Rue Global Communications, I've been in the field a long time like Neil, and I have a daughter with Down syndrome, which was a passion for the reason why I care so much about this community and this industry. But we are global disability inclusion strategists, so we work with large multinational corporations, helping them framework accessibility and disability inclusion. We also are blessed to work with the United Nations, like the International Labor Organization's Global Business Disability Network. We're part of the Valuable 500 uh, with Dr. Caroline Casey. I know Neil and Ato supported it as well, which was on the World Economic Forum stage this year talking about disability inclusion. So everything that my company does is supporting what these amazing large corporations are doing to make sure that we all can be included and also that our workforces can include um, everybody that wants to work because as our workforce ages and people actually start to retire at some point, we need to make sure that we're using all of our workforce, which includes people with disabilities and people that um, have disabilities or have acquired disabilities as they're living their lives. So that's the blessing type of work that we get to do at Root Global Communications. Thank you. I love the way you add the word blessing to your work. Very, very important, very passionate. We can hear your hear your heart in all of this, Deborah. So thank you very much. I have a little breaking news here in my opening for this show. Maricel, you might be interested in this. I quoted Billy Gregory on the, the question of UX, uh, some user experience, SUX, and Billy Gregory has just retweeted my tweet. So wherever he is in the world, he's, he's paying attention on Twitter and he knows that we're talking about him <laughs> on our series. I wonder if we could get him at some point for for a future show. We'll talk about that. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. What's that? Go ahead, Neil. He's certainly very entertaining. Um, I've I've seen him do the speech about uh, some user experience. It's, uh, It's well worth watching. 
Thank you very much. Well, he's paying attention. Uh, I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, Neil, this is for you. I'm not allowed to have caffeinated beverages on radio show days, and I have another live show an hour after we're off the air, so it's a busy day. So all I'm allowed to have, Marcel will appreciate this, is just cool, clear water, and I brought my cool, clear mugs with me from New York when I moved here a year and a half ago. It is a beautiful, gorgeous, sunny day with pure blue skies here in Durham, thank goodness, but we woke up to 29-degree weather. However, we're getting a 30 or 40 degree spread every day now. So it could go up into the mid 60s. You just never know what to wear when you open the door down here. Winter in the South. Big question mark, Deborah. You know what I'm talking about. So we're going to take a very quick break. We're going to refresh, as I like to say, wet our whistle. I have Maricel Kabahag here at SAP. We have Neil Milliken at Atos or Atos, whatever your pleasure, and Deborah Rue at Rue Global Communications. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Maricel will officially kick off our first roundtable on the debut of her wonderful series. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back 90 seconds. Don't go away. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. How will we work in the not too distant future? Will we work with or against machines? What can we do to create user experiences that make work delightful? How can we design technology to benefit our lives and society? These are some of the big questions facing business people, technologists, and designers today. Good design is the master key that opens the doors to technology's possibilities and people's abilities. When the user experience is right, it means we can work in a cooperative partnership with machines. Designing a game-changing user experience brings you insights from the thought leaders who are working to make this happen. Learn how great user experiences allow people and businesses to take maximum advantage of technology's advances. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Designing a Game-Changing User Experience, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Designing a Game-Changing User Experience. Here we are debuting a brand new series, long overdue. Very happy to be here. I'm Bonnie D. Graham speaking with three experts in this field of UX. Maricel Kabahag at SAP, Neil Milliken at Atos, and Deborah Rue at Rue, R-U-H, Global Communications. We're going to kick off the roundtable formally, starting with Maricel. And here's some interesting information she told me before the show. Maricel says, humans have many senses and abilities that help them to understand and interact with their environment, seeing hearing, speaking, touching, thinking, and so forth. When we pursue intuitive ways of interacting with software, the result is a plurality of interaction possibilities. Marcel, please expand this for us. Talk about the different types of tech that go with all of these senses. So, Marcel, you're up. Thank you very much, Bonnie. So we are so used to the traditional GUI, a graphical user interface, that it's hard for us to imagine anything else. It's rare that we stop to think about how impoverished our current input and output channels with machines are. We type, we click, swipe, the machine responds to us with text, tables, and charts. This, what we consider actually as modern communication, however, does not appeal to or um, it, it's not natural um, and it doesn't support our natural capabilities or skills. These conventions were invented to make it easier for machines to understand us, but does not make it easier for us to work with machines. So compare interacting with GUI to the richness of how we communicate with each other. We talk, we change the tone of our voice, we gesture with our hands, we scribble, we tilt, we tilt our heads, we raise our eyebrows, 
we look at things. These are the effortless and intuitive ways we manage our analog world. This is how we have been interacting with each other and with our environment for thousands of years. And when we bring this richness to our interactions with machines, it creates a plurality of interaction channels. This is helpful for people with disabilities because it gives them options. Along the way, it also helps everyone because it makes the experience much more intuitive. The constraints of disability are often the catalyst that forces us to get creative with modes of interaction. When we take one of our senses away, how do you leverage other senses to make up for that? The innovation will only make the experience even better when we don't have constraints. Take Walter Diaz Merced, for example. She's a blind astronomer who uses sonification to study stellar radiation, meaning she uses an application that converts complex data about stellar radiation um, into sound. This is a case where the graphical user interface is not good enough, even for her sighted colleagues. So, um, because because of the extensive amount of data that astronomers collect, does not easily fit on a monitor. So Wanda taught her colleagues to leverage their senses of hearing to better detect patterns in the data. Now, they can use both visual and auditory techniques in tandem. Thank you very much, Marcel. Very interesting. One of the things that jumped out at me was when you mentioned the way we sometimes tilt our head when we're listening. Uh, we wouldn't think of that, the way we, we deal with what you call an analog world, the way we express ourselves, the way we absorb information, the way we give back information. Uh, I think we're all familiar with the concept of microbursts. The body reacts in ways that we are even not aware when we're communicating and absorbing. Let's go around the table and get Neil Milliken's thoughts on the wonderful information that Maricel shared with us, and then we'll talk to Deborah. Neil, join us, please. Oh, thank you. So, um, for me, I'm, I'm of the view that we are all temporarily able-bodied. Um, we've, we've discussed how people acquire disabilities, but I think that also when we're designing products and services, we need to be thinking about the fact that often uh, people are temporarily uh, disabled or situationally disabled. Um, mm-hmm. A great example of this is a colleague of mine is, responsible for accessibility accessibility in UX at the BBC. And whenever they get a new boss, they take him down into the newsroom. And this is a cavernous room, and it's full of screens, and there's news channels blaring on all of the screens, and there's live subtitles. Because the noise in the newsroom has effectively made it impossible to hear anything. So they are all situationally disabled and giving them the accessibility option of using captions enables them to be able to absorb the information, etc. So just as Marisol mentioned, having these different ways that you can interact with information or products and services is really important because given any different situation, you may require a different way of, of interacting with technology. I've also been shouting at computers for the best part of 20 years. I've been using speech recognition systems. Uh, as someone with dyslexia, uh, it's made a, a life-changing difference for me. Um, but it's, it's great because effectively having these tools uh, is enabling people like me and also people with mobility problems to have access mm-hmm. to education, to work, etc. that we wouldn't have had previously. So artificial intelligence and natural language processing is hugely enabling. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Deborah Rue, join us. What a rich conversation we're having. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I totally agree with what Marcella and and um, Neil are saying. And because it, what's interesting about creating something in an inclusive way so that we all can use it in the first place, as a former programmer for many years, mm-hmm. I did not design programs so that. 15 to 20% of the population might not be able to use it. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe those numbers are smaller in some cases, but I really never wanted to leave anyone out of my designs. And so I think what's also very interesting about the work that is being done is that not only does it improve it for all of us and in situations like Neil was mentioning, but when we create this technology that makes it these things inclusive for all of us, there's some really nice benefits. 
Like when we caption a video, well, Facebook says that 80 to 85% of videos are watched with the sound off. So if you don't caption those videos, you might not be getting your message across. So by making things accessible and inclusive, it really improves the user experience for all users, not users that might have disabilities or are aging or things like that. So it's good design and it's innovative design, which I think a lot of people don't think about, but also going back to the problem that there are not enough workers to do the work the jobs that are here, we need to make sure that we're tapping into the best of our abilities, the best of our brains, and really being innovative, especially when it comes to things like the artificial intelligence and all the new technologies that are changing the way we do business and we live our lives. Thank you, Deborah. Very interesting. Maricel, what a great panel we have. And I have to mention to the panel, we've got a fan here. He's listening to the show, and his name is Richard Streitz. His, he's at Streitz, S-T-R-E-I-T-Z, Ability. And he says, great to see this fantastic panel on your show. I just had another tweet pop up. Great to see this fantastic panel on your show. This is an important topic that is very worthy of your amazing platform to get the word out. Well done. And he uses our hashtag, SAP Radio. And he's got Deborah in here and Maricel in here and Neil in here and SAP underscore design. So thank you very much, Richard. We are happy to welcome you to the Game Changers fan club, if I can say that. I don't know if we have one, but we had a million and a quarter listeners to all of our series last year. And I think a few people are listening and paying attention. So Richard Streitz, we are very grateful that you're live tweeting and listening live. Thank you so much. Uh, Maricel, do you want to wrap this part of our topic up? Because I'm ready to pick up some notes here from Neil Milliken and start another thread. Maricel, anything you want to say to your co-panelists on this? Um, no, I think um, you know, I'd like to hear some more from um, the rest of the panelists. I'm really excited that um, both of you um, are able to join us. Okay, so let's go around the table. Thank you. Neil, I found something very interesting here in your notes. You say, a sense of humor, and I love how you spell it the British way, H-U-M-O-U-R, forgive me for calling that out, a sense of humor and charm are essential weapons in the armory of any good change agent. It is especially true for accessibility, where we need to win over hearts and minds to the cause of inclusion. Neil, that's a very quotable moment. So please expand this for us, and then we'll see what Deborah and Maricel have to say. Neil? Okay, so uh, I, I spent a long time advocating for accessibility, and to be honest, when I first started working in large businesses, it was seen as a cost. So um, really, you do need to be able to charm people and to bring them round to your way of thinking to see that actually accessibility, designing for inclusion and designing great user experiences is actually an opportunity, not a cost. Um, we've been able to do this, but um, you don't win people over uh, through browbeating them. You win them over by uh, bringing them online, um, finding ways to connect with them, and of course, humour is part of that. And and so, um, we British, uh, even using the Queen's English, like to have a <laughs> self-deprecating sense of humour. So, if we can take the mick out of ourselves and and, and win people over, it, it's a great way of, of of bringing people into the fold. The other thing is that, you know, of course, we we try and have a bit of humour when Deborah and I interview people on on Access Chat. We, we like to really. Uh, make people feel welcome and break down the barriers because disability is quite often seen as something that is taboo or that something that people don't talk about mm-hmm. and that there's a, a lower comfort level amongst a lot of the diversity topics that, that we see. So, so having humor and being able to break the ice is really very important if we're to actually get beyond the sort of Thank you, Neil. Very interesting. Yeah, what what you just said was... We don't have commitments. We're not going to get anywhere, so therefore we need to win people over. There you go. And and the idea of using charm and humor, very interesting to me. I I started recently taking up the drums. I'm a, I call myself a drummer now. I'm pretty good at it. And I'm playing with a, a band in my community. We'll call it a pickup band, a jam band. We meet every other Sunday in our in our big clubhouse. We have a room reserved and one of the women the woman who plays the keyboards is in a wheelchair. Uh She's very friendly, very pleasant, very nice lady, does a good job on the keyboard. We have about 12 people in the band. I'm, there are two drummers, and there's about eight guitars, and we got a couple of keyboards. And 
I, I have greeted her. I've spoken to her. We've chatted. I have yet to ask her why she's in a wheelchair. And I don't know why. She's, she's lovely. She's, she's outgoing. Uh, her husband is a guitar player. They come together as a couple. They must have a van with accessibility. And I don't know how to use charm or humor to ask her, is it my right to know why she's in a wheelchair? Neil, can you just help me with this before we move around the table? Oh, that's a million dollar question. I think Thank the, you. the thing is, there's nothing wrong with asking you know, about someone's experience. Uh, mm-hmm. Certain people take things in different ways, but, but the thing yes. is, if people aren't curious, they're never going to learn. I encourage people to ask questions simply because that's the way that we find out about other people. That's how we gain that very precious thing that we talked about at the beginning, empathy. Mm-hmm. By understanding Thank people, by asking. Thank you. Understanding people by asking. Deborah Rue, let's get you in on this. What do you think? Well, I would like to weigh in on what you just said. In the first first place, that sounds like a really cool thing to do, drumming. I'd love to do that. <laughs> it is cool. <laughs> but, you know, I think, you know, from my experience, people with disabilities certainly don't mind you asking about their experience, but I think what... what they don't like is if you only see the wheelchair because yeah. obviously this woman is a musician uh, yeah. she's married she lives in North Carolina there's so much more about this woman besides her wheelchair but the wheelchair exactly. is part of her experience mm-hmm. so I think if you're seeking to understand who is she as an individual and her wheelchair is part of you know how she she gets around in the world it's when uh, I, I have heard so many of these stories, but, for example, there's a woman that I know that um, has a job in uh, the government in Washington, D.C., and she's blind and she walks to work. People stop her all the time and say, do you need help? And she'll say, and they're being kind, and they'll be like, she's like, mm-hmm. no, I'm fine. Well, where are you going? Well, I'm going to work. Really? You, you work? Where do you work? And and it's okay to be curious, but I don't know, you know, Bonnie, were you stopped today and somebody asked you, where are you going? Why are you going? You work? So I think remembering to treat each other like yeah. we're human beings first. We're multidimensional human beings that have things to offer instead of getting stuck on the fact of just one component of a person, I think is something that we're all learning. You know, what does it really mean to be a human being? Beautifully put. I have another quick story to share with all of you. Marcel, I'll get around to you in a second. I'm putting out uh, blasts on a, a North Carolina Musician Exchange Facebook page I joined. And I'm telling people I'm looking to put a band together. I'm looking for a lead guitar, a bass guitar. I gave a list of the types of music, everything ranging from 60s, 70s, 80s rock and roll to Beatles, Rolling Stones, Albert Collins, B.B. King, a little bit of Willie Nelson, a little bit of, of Santana, Latin music. So I have a wide range of musical interests. I was contacted, I gave my email address, contacted by a man yesterday, emailed me with his name in the subject line. He said, I play all that music. That's all he said. So we went back and forth on Facebook. We finally got on the phone. You're all not going to believe this. He's, he's, he already has a band. He already has a band, and he sent me to the page of the people he plays with. The person he plays with is blind and autistic, and he is the lead singer and the guitarist for their band. Cool. I went to their page. I listened to the guy. He is good. He is really good. So I said to this man, I don't want to join a band. I'm building my own band under my own brand. He said, I'm interested in talking to you, hearing how you play, seeing if we want to join you in your band, and I can bring you this other guy. And I thought, how many boxes can we check with this? I'm 55 plus, I'm a redhead, I'm a female who drums in a dress with tights, yes, I wear a dress when I drum, the gentleman who contacted me is a man of color, the lead, if we get with him, is blind and autistic and has a red guitar that he puts on a table, how many more, all we need is a keyboard player, I think we know who we're going to invite, All we, we're checking all the boxes, uh, Deborah just respond to this, could this be any more inclusive if it works out? Well, think of think of the different parts of the brains that you're all going to be using, and design and innovation and diversity. I mean, I would absolutely support a band like that. It sounds amazing, and you know, there's we have so much to learn still about what it even means to be a human being. I think it's interesting when we're talking about artificial intelligence. 
when maybe we haven't even defined what it really means to be intelligent because we've decided, for example, my daughter born with Down syndrome. I've had people say on Twitter <laughs> that my daughter should never even have been born. Oh, I won't oh. go into that. But it's like, oh, wait a minute, no. how, how oh. they, they, she adds so much value Hurtful. to the world in Hurtful. different ways. And so I love the diversity and innovation of that band. It sounds amazing. And it Thank needs to you. Be born and creative. So good for you. <laughs> I'm going to work on it. Maricel, join the conversation. We're getting nice comments here from Richard Streitz. He says, uh, having fun with Radio Red on SAP Radio. What a rich conversation about accessibility and inclusive design. We have a new fan for your series here, Maricel. We're going to have to get in touch with Richard. Maricel, what do you think about the idea of humor and charm in getting around disabilities and communicating? I absolutely support that. And I haven't, um, you know, be, being a change agent and using a um, sense of humor and charm are, are, of course, essential. But I think it, it's really very important that we um, we bring the, uh, the awareness of, 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 um, of how, how inclusivity um, can help uh, people. So, so just, just giving examples and, and making it uh, closer um, uh, to to everybody concerned, making them aware of this is 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 something that uh, that could spur this um, this uh, drive or or this willingness um, to design and develop um, inclusive software. So what I like about what we're doing here at SAP is we've featured colleagues. We have a, a series of, of um, articles in our portal where we interview and talk to many of the colleagues who have disabilities and talk to them about how they experience not just the tools that they use at work, but in how 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 they interact with people or how we interact with them. And I really like this because it's it's a way for us to to bring it closer um, to, to everybody else who may not understand um, how how being disabled um, feels. Um, and, and I think that this is this is something that we all should know. Um, the, the reason why I'm very passionate about this, by the way, is um, I hired some um, a gentleman in my team who's blind, and um, we we discussed salaries and all that. And after six months, um, he found out that what we discussed was was actually not what he got. So oh. um, and 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 he did not uh, figure this out until after six months because he could not um, read the tool or he could not use the tool. And for mm. me, that's not okay. So that's why um, right now it's a big um, big drive for us at SEP um, to make sure that um, our tools um, are, are inclusive and that we think of everybody um, who could um, benefit from our tools and everybody should. Thank you, Marcel. Very interesting. Yes, uh, what do they say? Uh, the the cobbler's children have no shoes, something like that. There's an old saying. I won't. I won't try to dig too deep in that. I have to go around the table quickly and tell Deborah that we are actually out of time to get to your comments here. I want to talk about the valuable 500. So I tell you what we're going to do, Deborah. I'm going to have you start off the crystal ball predictions round, and then I'm officially announcing here on the show that I am inviting the three of you to join me for part two of this topic, Marcel, with your permission. May I poach this panel and invite you on Coffee Break with Game Changers next month, my flagship show with the biggest audience? Are you up for that, Marcel? Absolutely. Good. Thank you. You're very gracious. Hard to say no to an invitation like that on live radio. So I'm going to invite Deborah and Maricel and Neil to continue this. And there's, there's no preparation. I just need a new opening quote from each of you. So Deborah Rue, would you grac- graciously allow me to invite you to be the kickoff person for our roundtable on crystal ball predictions? I'll give you 90 seconds because I shorted you on the topics, but you, we have enjoyed your contributions to the conversation. So you're very much present and accounted for it. So Deborah, 90 seconds. What do you see in the crystal ball in terms of UX, user design for accessibility, inclusion, diversity, all those good things? Deborah, go. Well, and I don't feel shortchanged. I feel very honored to be included and so stoked that we're going to continue the conversation. So thank, thank you. you so much, Bonnie and Marcel. It, it, what I predict, I predict that all of this technology, the AI, the IOTs, the wearables, all of that coming together with what it means to be really human. You know, how do we really tap into the, what it means to use our brains in different ways? Like the singer you mentioned that 
had autism. Mm -hmm. People with autism, they're not broken. They just use their brains maybe a little different. People like Neil that have dyslexia, think of the creativeness. Sir Richard Branson has dyslexia. So I think really taking all this cool technology that's happening, the leaders like SAP and ATOS that are making inclusion a, a, a priority, pulling it all together to see how we can be better human beings and more of us can be part of, you know, the world, really, really, truly part of it. I'm very excited about the opportunities for education and employment and future of work and everywhere that we can go when we really all appreciate each other's uniquenesses and differences. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you very much, Deborah. Marcel, I can give you 30 seconds for your prediction. Same for Neil, and we've got to wrap it up. So go ahead, Marcel. All right. So digital assistance is combination with artificial intelligence will democratize technology and revolutionize design so that it's much more accessible to everyone. And I'd like to take a few seconds to thank Esther. Um, She is fantastic, and I'm very lucky to have her in my team. Thank you very much. I am already thanking her profusely. Thank you, Maricel. More to come in the series. (laughs) Neil Milligan, you get to wrap this up 30 seconds. That's all we got. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, following on from, from Maricel, I think that uh, artificial intelligence and digital assistance definitely going to play a massive role. But the study of neurodiversity and cognitive accessibility is going to be key to ensuring a great user experience with those technologies. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Maricel, what a great kickoff to your, what a great opening debut to your new series. As I say, it's a long time coming. I'm so privileged to be able to speak with you and your guest today. Esther Blankenship, you certainly rock this one. What a great start. In case you're wondering, the title of this episode, which I never really said, was Accessible and Inclusive UX Design, The Business Case. And we've certainly spoken about that. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Very happy to be here. Got to wrap this party up here again to Richard Streitz. You have been a wonderful part of our conversation. He said, yay for part two. I agree more time to hear these experts is great. Thank you for planning it. Richard, you're my new best friend. I appreciate it wherever you are. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. However you're wearing it, however you fasten it, just fasten it. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Maricel Kabahag at SAP, just like Neil Milliken at Atos or Atos, and just like Deborah Rue at Rue Global Communications, and just like Richard Streitz on Twitter. Have a great day, everyone. I'll be back in an an hour with Megatrend Series talking about the circular economy. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Designing a Game-Changing User Experience, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, Tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.